You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hey everyone, welcome to the show, and the first big news I have to tell you about is uh, a solemn one. Uh, Some bad news, people. Very bad news. The blog is dead! There's no more blog! Just kidding, just kidding. It's not that bad. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm just playing with you. Basically, I recently had a vote as to what I needed to do with a certain asset I had in this channel, and it was my blogger page. When I started off as the Broken Meeple, I started writing reviews. I put them on Board Game Geek eventually, but there was also a written page. And then since about a couple of years back, it's basically just been used as a hub. So as well as posting things to YouTube and to SoundCloud, I was also uploading the link to the Blogger Hub. I don't know why I did for ages, but the thing is I had to keep it updated with that. I'd fall behind. There was a little scrolling picture slideshow on there that I had to update by saying coming soon and all that lot. And it just like, oh, it became such a hassle to do it. So I did a vote as to whether I needed to do it. And about 90% of people didn't even know it existed. So I basically just went and removed it. So yes, if you go to the blogger page, it will say, sorry, the blog at brokenmeeple.blogspot.com has been removed. The address is not available for new blogs. Yeah, basically I've got 90 days if I want to put it back online, but frankly, I just don't see the point. You know, my my income for the channel is done through YouTube and Patreon, the, you know, what little there is. And, you know, the, the site just never did anything for me. It was just an administration burden and I'm kind of half glad to be rid of it. So, yeah. So if you are looking for that hub and you see the blog has been removed, relax. That was me and it's not an indicator of things to come or whatever. It's just that, well, you know, the podcast SoundCloud hub will now do for the podcast, which will link to Spotify and Apple and all that lot anyway. And the channel, the YouTube is my primary hub. So there, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> you know, nothing too bad about that, I hope. So... What's the deal with today's podcast? Well, this is a bit of a review extravaganza, really, because I've got a lot of games i got to review, and some I'm doing videos for, some I'm going to attempt to do a live stream review of it, which should be interesting. I'm thinking maybe Alma Mater could be a first one for that, or maybe... Nah, actually, it probably will be that one, actually. And I've also got, like, a solo player role player in the bag. I've got a Movers and Shakers video with Cooper Island in the bag. I need to do a lot of other content. Not to mention I need to finish off the top 100, which I've now recorded the 40 to 31 episode. So I just need to edit it, and I'll get that out this week, hopefully by Wednesday if I can help it. But don't bank on that. I might have to make that the end of the week. But the idea is, is that I can then do next week... Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday, probably, or those three days more likely, um, a live stream event to do the other 30. So in a week, you could hopefully get the rest of the top 100 done. Yes, it's a live stream, but I will keep the focus on the games. You can, of course, come and watch it live. I'll talk about the games. You can make your comments in the chat. Try and guess what game I'm on about. Give your rating out of 10. Talk with each other. But I will be focusing it more on the top, on the list rather than doing an interactive back and forth Q&A 
you know, maybe I'll do a few minutes of it at the very end, but I'm not going to constantly stop the show to like talk with the chat and make the video stupid long. I want to try and keep the video down to about 45 minutes or so in line with how long it's taken the others to do, which is about 35 minutes odd. So if I can manage that, then it's all good. But <clears throat> sorry, you're gonna, you can look out for that in the long run. Well, not the long run, actually. You can find out about that next week, probably. So what else has come out on the channel? Well, quite a bit, actually. I've been somewhat busy, it has to be said. As I say, the role player insert review has been done and that is going to air on the 27th so look forward to that one that will wrap up all the folded space inserts i've done uh just done top 150 to 41 that is released you can go check that out on the channel uh the caverner insert review is done uh more top 100 juiciness the last broken people show so mostly it has been top 100 material because i've had to play a bunch of games recently as opposed to review them but you will be able to look forward soon to tekenu a video has been recorded for that uh another video has been done for mysterium park you will get a review of that one and i thought i'd done a third one maybe i'm getting confused with alma mater and that's the one i need to do as a stream review but i've certainly done mysterium park and tekenu so those are definitely coming but you will have also noticed I did a solo play. I actually did a solo play digital live stream. Uh, this was an experiment to see how it would work, and I think it went pretty well. It was the Wingspan digital board game, and I think the app is fantastic. I think it's a great implementation, but I think the stream went well. I loaded up. The audio worked fine. We tweaked it a little bit at the start, but nothing major. The stream didn't fail. The picture didn't fail. The only thing I'm going to do is that I'm going to reduce the size of my webcam and live chat window when I'm doing these particular streams because I want because the game aspect ratio gets a little bit squished and I want that to be a little bit larger for you lot. You don't need to see my ugly face the entire time in those streams and. Uh, well, you're going to see it anyway, but you don't need to see it in big form. And the live chat window should be big enough to handle, you know, the amount of people that are there. So, yeah, that solo play was really good. So I look forward to doing some more app plays in the future. People have put requests. I think there was Roll for the Galaxy. There was a Flashpoint Fire Rescue I want to do. There's obviously Mystic Veil. There's all sorts that I can do on top of tabletop solo plays. But don't worry, there will be tabletop solo plays. They just won't be live streams. They will be pre-recorded because I can't have the laptop on because I record overhead with my mobile phone. And the speaker is great for picking up my voice. It's actually clearer than I thought it would be. Unfortunately, it picks up a lot of other surrounding noise, and that can include stuff outside if it's close by, so I do it at quiet times, but also it will pick up the fan noise from the laptop, and if I'm trying to use the webcam to stream, I mean, the laptop's very quiet at the moment, strangely, but it usually is during podcast season. As soon as I try to do a recording down there, though, yeah, it's just going to make fan noise, and then you'll hear it on the phone, it's just not worth it, so... The solo plays on tabletop will be pre-recorded, and as I said, role player with the expansions has just been done. It is set up on the table as I see it now, with my last character doing a successful solo run, beating down the Cyclops. Uh, what was he? Uh, a Kayla? Kayla? Or something like that? It's a penguin. It's kind of weird. <laughs> a penguin with a screech owl as a familiar. It was a very strange priest to build, but a good fun game, and I hope you enjoy the video on that as well. So, what do we have first on the review list? I've got three reviews. They're going to be shorthander, then shorthand, sorry, compared to normal reviews. But this is mainly because they obviously don't get as much buzz. 
as some of the major reviews I've had to do, but also just because some reviews have to be done in a different format. And some of these games, there's not a huge amount to talk about. Certainly two of them in particular. One of them's a bit longer, and hopefully you'll still get a benefit there. So looking at the first one, we've got Splendor Marvel. Splendor Marvel. Now, if you have played Splendor and like Splendor, you'll like Splendor Marvel. There's no reason you wouldn't. They are 99% identical. <laughs> there is such an identical cash grab. It is unreal. Same player count, two to four. Same playing time, 30 minutes. Same designer, Mark andre publisher, Space Cowboys. Everything is the same, apart from the fact that it's got Thanos on the front and it's got the word Marvel in it. So question is, what's the point? Well, the idea with this is that they have basically tweaked it with about two or three differences here between this and the normal Splendor. It doesn't include any expansion elements from the original Splendor expansion, which is a bit of a shame, but basically the artwork is now reminiscent of like Marvel superheroes. So you've got Captain Marvel here, Hulk, Groot, Ghost Rider, even the people that weren't necessarily involved with the Infinity Gauntlet, although I am talking purely from a movie perspective. I don't know about the comics. I think loads of Marvel heroes and villains were associated with the comic version of Infinity War. But as you can see, tier one, tier two, tier three, and some locations, i.e. nobles for the tiles. You've got five gem colors. You've got yellow, red, orange, blue, and purple. Where's green, you ask? We'll get onto that. Shield tokens for the gold, effectively. But there is a couple of different tweaks, aside from the artwork, which is decent. Some of it's recycled from other properties, like Fantasy Flight, I've noticed, have uh, used a couple of images here. I recognize the She-Hulk one for a kickoff. But... You know, the artwork is decent. I don't know if I prefer it to the original Splendor. I think the original Splendor is a bit better, but this is still fine. The graphic design is pretty much the same. But here are your key differences. The green gem is actually a green timestone gem that you have to get in order to even progress to win the game. And the only way to get one of those green gems is to buy a tier three card. So it actually forces you to buy one of the tier three cards before you finish the game. Because sometimes you could win by not buying any of the tier 3 cards. And I don't know whether that's a good inclusion or not. Because you've basically taken out another path to victory. But maybe they were just worried about the fact that people used to do that path to victory too often. So maybe this is a way to kind of force you to at least get one of those cards if not more. But that's a small little niggle. The end game condition is a bit like what Cities did you. It's basically a tile which says you need 16 points instead of 15, don't ask me why, and you need the green timestone gem I just mentioned, and one of each colour. Whoopee. How many times have you played Splendour and not had all five colours in front of you? Seriously. As far as I'm aware, that never happens, not having all five colours. The bit I do quite like as a new addition, though, is this Avengers tile here. It's like one of the locations, and the locations work the same way. You, you're double-sided, you put four of them in, get those cards, you get the location. It's pretty much self-explanatory. The Avengers tile is a little bit different, though. You might notice on some of these heroes here, if you look very closely, uh, War Machine and She-Hulk here, for example, and even, uh, I think, Miss Marvel down the bottom, and some of these higher ones, they've got the A Avengers symbol on them, as well as the bonus gem that they produce. They may produce, like, less points because of it. And the idea is, is that whoever has the most Avenger symbols at any one time takes the tile and it's worth three points. But this can pass between players if another player overtakes you on the symbols. I found this to probably be the best change they've put in Splendor. 
yeah, well, in this version of it anyway. The idea that you have three points that could go from the leader to someone else if they just catch them up by other means. The fact that somebody could try and get back into the game by, you know, oh, I'm a bit behind on points, but if I've got the Avenger symbols and I can grab three points there, go for that location and work my way up that way. This is really cool, and I wish the original Splendor had something like that in the expansion, but sadly you'd have to redesign all the cards, so that's pretty unlikely. But yeah, in terms of what I think of the game, it's Splendor. What more do you need to know? It's Splendor. Do you like Splendor? Yes. Well, then you'll like this game. Would you need to own both? Hell no. <laughs> you really would not. They are the pretty much the same game. I mean, I have got both. I actually don't know if I'm going to keep uh, this one or the previous one. They're that similar. Granted, I much prefer looking at Marvel characters and I do random alchemists or whatever merchants the other one had. But then I've got an insert and although this, the insert could you could argue be transferred to the new box but I've got the expansion cities in that one granted I only use one or two of the modules in it but I still have it I guess I don't use it that often so maybe I could keep this Marvel one and leave that but then how many people are going to be desperate to play a Marvel version would they not like the Marvel license it's a tough call I honestly don't know which I prefer they are just so alike you know, the end game condition, whoop-de-doo. Putting the extra time stone gem thing in, it's cool. I don't think it was necessary, but take it or leave it. The main thing that I really like about it is that Avengers tile. But am I going to keep this edition purely because of that? Can't be. But the Cities expansion for the original Splendor has the, oh, what were they called? Uh, the Oracle cards or something? Like the extra tier 1, 2, and 3 cards? They're amazing. I love those. I play with those all the time if I use my copy. And I also like the, uh, what are they called? The trading merchants, the ones where you, when you get certain combination of cards, you've got special powers for the rest of the game. I like that as well. It makes it a bit more meaty, but I really like it. So do I want to chuck that in favor of this? I don't know. It's a tough call, but I mean, I give Splendor an 8 out of 10. I'd give this one an 8 out of 10 as well. It's Splendor. It's Splendor with a different license. If you've not played the original Splendor, you could happily jump into this one and get essentially the same experience. You basically just could pick either or based on whether you're a fan of Marvel. I mean, that's yeah, that's pretty much the case. Do you like Marvel? In which case, get this one. Are you not fussed? Then consider the old one if you think you're going to expand it. I would probably say that without the expansion, without the expansion being considered, I would prefer the Marvel set. I think it's little bit more complete overall but with that expansion factored in i would say the old one it is such a tough call and it really is going to come down to your personal preference but it is still at the end of the day splendor which is still a fun engine building game you know there's nothing wrong with it at all let's move on to another game let's see next one i think i'll pick well, let's see. I can barely see because the uh, clamp with my webcam is actually getting in the way of the scroll bar, which is really annoying. <laughs> Here we go. What's missing? Now, you probably weren't expecting this on my list of review games, but occasionally I get some party games and I do like a nice party game from time to time. And this one seemed interesting. This one, I think, has been released a few times in the past. This is now like a 2020 version of it. Three to six players, 20 minutes weight one out of five so i mean this is like not a very complex game at all done by ludenaut who to be fair i have not really heard of for uh, a long time now they've uh, they kind of sort of sat in the back as far as i'm aware from stuff that i wanted to do but essentially what what's missing is is that you 
it's a drawing game. So think Telestrations, Pictionary, Pictomania, that kind of thing. And the idea is, is that you've got a bunch of cards sorted by difficulty and... Oh, sorry, get my breath back there. In a round, each player takes a card and puts it behind like a flip chart with a translucent, almost like not tracing paper, but a translucent cover on it. And the idea is, is that you're not allowed to draw the actual image on the card. What you do is that you draw everything else that would normally be around it. So let's say you had a picture of a shark. So you put the shark card, any orientation you like within the underneath the transparent layer. And then instead of drawing the shark, you draw the sea, uh, a boat, uh, the, you know, you probably can't draw the fin, but you could draw like uh, somebody screaming, swimming away or something. You could draw a harpoon gun. I don't know. Think something out of Jaws. But you get the point. You would be able to draw everything else except for that. And then the other players have to guess what is missing on the transparent paper. So they're going to see this image of a bunch of stuff and a sort of blank spot, hopefully, if they can tell where it is, in the middle, or anywhere really, it depends what it is, and essentially whoever guesses correctly gets a point, and the drawer loses a point if no one guesses, so they want someone to guess it, and then you basically just carry on until eventually you get to a certain number of points or, you know, or call the game, basically. I mean, you can make this as long or as short as you like. However, I'm a little bit, well, this is what I'm a little bit sort of iffy on this one. To win, being clever is more important than being a good artist. I'm not convinced. Now, Telestrations, I love Telestrations, that is in my collection in the other room. And Telestrations is good because you have no care whether you can draw or not. I can't draw for toffee at all. My drawing skills are abysmal. And so I don't really care if I draw well in Telestrations because it doesn't really matter. But it's encouraged to draw badly in Telestrations because it just makes it more funny. There's no, there's no winner and loser in Telestrations. It's just having a laugh. The problem with that one, though, sorry, the problem with this one is that I don't believe that being clever is enough. I mean, if I draw, if let's say I've got to draw a, say I've got to draw a pig. Let's say the pig is my transparent thing. So I decide, right, I'm going to draw farm stuff around it. Would you like to see what my tractor looks like when I draw it? Would you like to me to would you like to imagine the child scaring horror of my dogs and like animals that I can draw? No. And if people can't recognize the stuff you're drawing on the outside, then how are they going to have any clue of knowing what it is that you have not drawn? There may be some that are easier than others. I mean, this picture you can see here is the moon, a shining moon. It's like, well, okay, you draw a starry night and somebody on there and a tree and the moon will be the next one. So that one's relatively easy. But when you flip through the cards, you notice that there's quite a lot of really hard ones in there. I mean, they are sorted by difficulty, so you can do the easier ones and migrate to the hard ones. But I mean, the hard ones, wow. You have got to be a good artist with the hard ones. You cannot just be clever, as it says. With the easy ones, you generally can, and some will flummox you, some won't. Medium, I think, is a good balance. But otherwise, I just I would never really want to play this on hard, because I would just not be able to draw very well, and I'd be screwed. I would have no chance to get through it. And there are some really detailed ones. I mean... The ones in this picture is a moon and a palm tree or stuff like that. Okay, that stuff's not particularly difficult, but you can have one where it's like an intrinsically detailed animal 
and it's in a weird pose and you've got to somehow make that fit with everything else. It's like, excuse me? How am I supposed to do that? In terms of the game enjoyment, it's fine. I don't think this one's really going to get heard. You know, I mean, the concept is interesting, you know, trying to draw everything else except for the subject matter. I like the component quality. I mean, you get some pens, you get the dry erase flip pad. You've got the card you just put underneath a separate layer. So it's stuff's reusable. It's not like you're wasting any paper or anything. So components are pretty decent overall for what is a fairly cheap party game. I just don't know if I would play this over something like Telestrations, which, you know, this What's Missing has actually got a winner and loser thing in it because people are earning points. So I feel that because I can't draw very well, I'm doing worse than somebody who can draw well. You know, they may not necessarily need to draw the item in there, but because they can draw such a good picture, it's not too difficult to figure out, oh yeah, that's what they've got. Now granted, you could try and win the game by just being very quick at guessing, but then that requires you to be quicker off the mark than the other players, and so again, I'm just not sure I like the idea that there is a winner and loser here, because... Uh, I certainly don't win this very, very much. I mean, I can kind of guess what other people are doing, but people struggle to guess anything I've drawn. I would just rather play Telestrations and Pictomania, personally. Telestrations is just flat-out funny as hell. You know, that's a great game. But and Pictomania actually does fit the description of being clever is better than drawing well, because in Pictomania, you not only have to draw something that other players can guess right from a category... But then you also have to guess what the other players have done based on their drawings and it's done at speed. And I have won games of Pictomania mainly because I'm very good at getting off the mark and guessing what everyone else has done, even if they don't necessarily guess what I've done. And also you don't have to be a Picasso-like artist, you know, Michelangelo, when you're playing that game. You just have to get the point across because the categories are already listed. So as long as they know what category you're in, they're on the right track. They don't have to identify it was a tractor if they can't tell. But if they can guess the category is something to do with that farmyard machinery one, then it's like, oh, it's probably farmyard machinery then. It, it works a bit better in that one. So with what's missing, there's not much else to say, really. It's a fun little party game, but I just don't think it's anything special. I would probably give this one a 6 out of 10 overall. I don't think people are going to notice it. I would be hard-pressed to think that anyone's going to be, you know, singing the praises of this compared to a lot of other party games. And I suppose that's the main issue. There's a lot of party games out there. I mean, I've got, you know, Dixit and all those picture card ones behind me. There's Detective Club. There's, you know, Telestrations and Concept. And I don't own Pictomania, but that is another potential one. There's just a lot of party games out there. And I just don't think this one is going to stand the test of time and be remembered not to say it's not fun and if drawing games are your thing then i recommend you grab this one because i think it will be a nice little twist on the drawing party game genre for me i don't mind them i don't go mad for them but i just think my lack of ability to draw and the fact that this one actually has a winner and a loser is just a slight put off from a personal point but i mean six out of ten it's still fine. It's just not one that I'm going to seek out or hang on to. I think I will donate my copy to the Dice Portsmouth Library because I think this will be perfect for a game cafe setting. And then if I feel like playing it, I'll play it. But I'm not going to lose any sleep if I don't.
And now finally, let's move on to Alabari, a nice cup of tea. This one was a bait and switch, <laughs> but I knew what the bait and switch was before I started reviewing it, okay? So at least I wasn't caught out by it, but I looked at this without any knowledge and thought, Tony Boydell, where have I heard that name before? And it said, a nice cup of tea. And it's like, oh, could it be a Euro game about making tea? Fantastic. This is exactly what I want. Oh. And, and then you get to the description. It's like, part of the Snowdonia family is like, no. And yeah, it's about building a train track. The tea is in there, but it is a side thing at best. You know, you are harvesting some tea leaves and you can drink some chai tea to do special actions. That's about it. Apart from that, it is set in the Indian Darjeeling Railway, I think it is. And, you know, yes, you're in the right setting for making tea. But really, it's all down to clearing rubble off tea plantations or clearing rubble off cards, basically. It's just like Snowdonia and building a railroad track and some stations. Ah, oh, that was a bit of a shame. So thematically, this isn't exactly the strongest thing in the world uh, at all. And I'm just, a, I'm a little bit bummed out that it wasn't more about tea. However, that aside, there's a lot of positives to say about this game. So, and oh, there's my rating, so I've given it away there, but hopefully you won't see too much. But on there, Darjeeling, so a town in Indian state of West Bengal. And the idea is, is that you are harvesting your own tea estates and assisting in the building of the Darjeeling and Himalayan Railway. So you start at one end and then you build some track, which allows you to build stations in some of the cities. And then you keep building the track, which gives access to more cities. You clear rubble and you acquire iron and coal in order to build the actual stations. No, iron and coal, iron and stone to build the actual stations, but you can also use iron to grab a specialist train, which will give you like a special power for the rest of the game and give you access to potentially another worker. And the main crux of this, as you can see, it's quite a, uh, shall we say, big board. It's a relatively big board. Come on, load up for me. There you go. So it's graphic design. It's actually pretty neat and streamlined. And I think that's the best way to describe Alabari. It is Snowdonia streamlined, but it's still a weighty game. I mean, it's still 3.13 in the weight category on Board Game Geek. And I would say that there is more to think about in this game than you would think. But rules-wise, it's just a lot easier to play and grasp. And I would say less punishing than Snowdonia. This is more the, uh, I wouldn't even call it an entry level. It's still a thinky Euro, but it's definitely the more accessible version of Snowdonia. And as such, I prefer this to Snowdonia. So with this, you start off at this end on the track and move your way around, all the way around, loop the loop, going around. And if, the, if you're not doing it fast enough, this little event wheel here, because the cubes are drawn from a bag for tea cubes and stone and iron, and there are some event cubes in there, which basically go around this uh, wheel here, trigger certain events, fairly minor stuff, even though it does have an effect. But what it does end up doing is building some stations and rails if the players don't do it fast enough. So the game will progress at a relative pace, even though players might decide I'm doing something else. But here's the crux. You've still got the weather system. You've still got the tea leaf thing. You've got some rubble to clear off. But here's the main crux here. So you've got the action spaces as normal at the top. And you can place your worker on there and you can go in order that goes in sequence. If you drink chai, you can do a, an upgraded action, which is cool. But then you have the cards and that's what one of these actions here does. Let's see if I can load up some 
Uh, the internet has been a little bit slow. I do apologize for those viewing on this. Let's see. I can get back of the board. I can get the weather cards. Let's have a look at more images. Should be able to get some cards soon. Come on. Until then, here is a little music. Oh, no. Here we go. So <clears throat> you have got, um, you know, you just sort of, sort of see it there on the right, but basically the cards all respond to a specific action. And so when you do the action, or even when no one does the action, you don't even need to work on it, you can play the card and get some cool bonus. On top of that, a bit like in Snowdonia, the bottom of the card says that if you have done X amount of things, you can get more points. The back of the card has a weather symbol which dictates future weather conditions, and this will mean it's easier to clear rubble, harder to lay rails, better for harvest, some action's not available, you know, a nice simple weather mechanic, but it adds a little bit of theme, and of course that is lifted right out of Snowdonia. I think the history with this was that this was originally going to be an expansion to Snowdonia, but it got so much into its own thing that they decided to just make it its own separate game. And yeah, if you threw all of this into Snowdonia, I think it would just be an absolute pig of a game, like way too much going on. But there's definitely a lot of finky stuff here. So you have got placing workers. You've got improving your actions with T. You have got acquiring the contracts. How many cards do you want? Well, they're once per game abilities, but you also might want to score points with them. You've got equipments to buy with the iron. You've got the events to anticipate. You've got uh, building stations for bonuses. It's quite a lot to think about. However, it's not all rum and roses there are a few things i would say is absolute rubbish it's one to five players do not play this with five players in fact i would be hesitant to play this with four this is definitely a long game 60 to 90 minutes as an absolute cap is a complete lie and you should be ashamed of yourself studio h for even putting that on the box because this is not a 60 to 90 minute game you'll be hard pressed to play the solo mode in 60 minutes although that probably is doable if you don't have to rule check anything good luck with that but 90 minutes no way two player maybe and even then i'd be a little bit but 90 minutes with two players maybe but three player four player and certainly five player are not getting this done in 90 minutes you are talking at least a two hour game and with four or five players particularly with new players or any any amount of ap this can go on for a good two and a half hours it can be as long as snowdonia if not longer at times it varies do not play this with anybody who is not used to medium weight euros because it will drag a lot and this is not one of those games you want to be in when it drags you want to the turns to be relatively quick but sadly some people will take a while to figure out which worker space they want to go on and what card they want because a lot of it is kind of stuff you can't plan ahead for but it looks nice on the board i mean you've got the green bright yellows and contrast with the dark green background graphic design is sound i mean the iconography is very clear uh, you you kind of need to rule check what the event wheel does but other than that the contracts explain what happens in text and iconography uh, but other than that there's nothing really on the board that is that confusing so learning the game is actually quite straightforward teaching the game wasn't that difficult either you've got to go through a fair amount of rules but the actions are fairly straightforward and if anyone's played snowdonia then they're already in the clear they've already got a heads up on you but it can just go on a bit long, and that is its main issue. But otherwise, I like this game. I do think it's a sweet game. I, I just think 
I mean, other than the length, it's. I wish the theme was stronger. I wish it was more about the tea than it was the train. But I would sooner play this than Snowdonia. Granted, Snowdonia probably has a lot more variety than this game, and that's another thing that kind of hurts it. There's not a lot of variety in here. You've got some different tea estates that have different levels of rubble needed on each. Whoop-dee-doo, it really makes very little difference. The map will always be the same. Whereas Snowdonia, you had the cards that went around the board and it created a sort of different track and the expansions, the little mini expansions added different tracks. So Snowdonia is definitely the one to get if you want the heavier, more tight, and I mean, this one can be tight, but it's certainly a little bit more flexible than Snowdonia was. But you want the bigger, longer, more involved version, you get Snowdonia. You want something a bit more accessible, one that I think looks a bit better in terms of color palette, but is easier to grok and still gives you a meaty game, I would stick with Alabari. And I personally would keep Alabari rather than Snowdonia. But I don't think there's much else to follow. I mean, the, you've got a lot to think about on your turns. There's certainly a plenty amount of tactics here. You know, deciding... Ooh, do I want to go in turn order first because then I get the first dibs on the action I want? Some spaces have only got one place, so not going first is pretty detrimental at times if you're not careful. But I love having all the different contract cards with all these different abilities, and some of them mirror others, so there is some repeat. But And some of them certainly are better than others. But it's nice to have the trains as well, as long as you can pay the maintenance, they are useful to get. You could focus on contracts. You could just try and build a ton of rails. I mean, getting the contracts early is recommended because then you actually know what it is you're aiming for. But yeah, I think it's a pretty sweet game. I'm, you know, I'm glad I went into this knowing that it wasn't the tea-making game of my dreams because that probably would have driven me nuts had I seen that. But otherwise, I think the game is pretty sound. Well-produced, not too difficult to teach and grok, Pretty meaty for what it is. I mean, the Board Game Geek says 45 to 120 minutes. I would say 60 to 120 minutes. 60 solo, and then gradually getting up for two, three, and four players. If you know exactly what you're doing and don't have to teach the game, you could possibly do four player in two hours. Five player will not happen in two hours. End of story. But is there any other picture that would be good to show? That's a prototype image, but it's not too bad. In fact, the problem is there's not a lot of pictures for this one, which is a bit of a shame, but <clears throat> you do at least can get the idea that it's a lot of green. I mean, green's my favorite color, so already that's a help when it comes to this one. I'm getting like my favorite color all over the board. Uh, that's the event wheel. So the event wheel, you clear some rubble, you get some extra like harvest track, it lays a rail, it lays stations, the cubes go back in the bag, you pay maintenance, it lays more rails, you get a harvest. There's a lot of stuff that you do in this game for, you know, for the meat it is. And I'm going to hang on to this one for a while. I personally would give it a 7 out of 10. I do think I would like a stronger theme. I would like it to be shorter. And I do think that the replay value is a little bit lacking on the basis that you don't have much variety other than the contract cards. But at the end of the day, it's just build X of this and Y of that. It's not like they're fundamentally different. But I would sooner play this than the normal Snowdonia, even though Snowdonia is a fine game. I would probably give Snowdonia a 6 out of 10 and this one a 7. 
I don't love either game, but I think I respect both games and I would play either game if it was on the table. But certainly I'd be like, mm, can we play Albari instead of Snowdonia? It's just, I want to walk up Snowdonia. I don't necessarily want to play the game. So, yeah, there's free reviews for you, and I hope you've got something out of there. So, 7 out of 10 for Alabari, a 6 out of 10 for What's Missing, and an 8 out of 10 for Splendor Marvel. Let's see what you think of those. Let me know in the comments what you think of those free games. Do you agree with what I've said? Do you disagree? I'd like to hear your views. But at the moment, I'm almost about to run late to host a Stellaris game with some friends. So I'm going to start shutting down the podcast at this point and hopefully I'll get a chance to edit it tonight. So you might get this one a little bit late on the Sunday, but hopefully you'll get it soon. So yeah, um, other than that, just look forward to the 40 to 31 uh, coming this week, hopefully, and definitely sign up to those live streams for the rest of the top 100. I look forward to getting that wrapped up so that I can get into some normal top 10s because I know you want to see me do top 10s and people have already requested at least a ticket to ride top 10, like top 10 ticket to ride sets. I'm perfectly happy to do that and I'll definitely do that one. That is a given. Would it be the first one? Probably, but we'll see. I've got to certainly consider all the choices and I've got to get my Patreons at the $5 tier and upwards to vote on what top 10s they want to see first. That is one of the benefits of being a $5 Patreon. And certainly, if you can support the channel by being a Patreon, you'll be one of the most loved people in the world. Even if it's just for a dollar a month, you will barely notice the dollar, but I'll notice it because we don't. I don't get a lot from this channel. So... Yeah, that's it for me. I will see you on the next Broken Meeple episode video, or I will, or I will speak to you on the next podcast episode, I guess. Uh, take care, have a good night, and remember, as always, it's only a game. Take care. See you soon.